You're listening to the Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 41, Subterfuge Soup. Who's pulling your strings? Has today's easy and ubiquitous access to information made us more or less susceptible to speculation? The uh, weather gods are conspiring against us this weekend. They are indeed. And the word conspire means to breathe together when you break it apart. A Latin word, isn't it? Spire? For breathing? Yeah, inspiration, same root. To breathe together, conspire. It's not just a bunch of nasty people scheming and planning to take over the world. Mm. It actually means people working together in some form or other, breathing together. Well, these weather gods weren't very nice. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's been a crazy day, actually, here in Caledon. Uh, and the, the ice is dropping off the trees. It's getting milder now. It's getting milder, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we've lost a number of trees here, like, Bunches of branches off of trees have fallen down, broken right, off, right. old, old trees. So how do you want to approach this subject, the whole conspiracy thing? I think we just need to talk about how widespread conspiracy theory is, not just in terms of the larger topics and issues of the day and events of the day, mm-hmm. like 9-11 or the Kennedy assassination, even the moon landings, some people think is a conspiracy. But we need to talk about conspiracy in terms of how we feel the world is conspiring in different ways against us. There's also some uh, common psychological grounds that people attribute to conspiracy theorists, certain psychology. Yeah, what, what, oh, that whole mentality of belonging to a group. So, i.e., if you feel very strongly about something, let's say you have a, a strong a feeling about the JFK assassination. So you belong to the group who doesn't believe that a single gunman ended his life. And so there's a certain strength you acquire by belonging to that group because you're also so di- like, you also differentiate yourself from people who don't believe in that. So individuals searching for community. There is that element in there because you're just aligning yourself with a specific group with a specific belief. And conspiracy theorists have very strong beliefs generally. Yeah. Also, I would imagine in the psychology of it that a certain level of cynicism would have to be there. So people who are more cynical about the world would tend to gravitate towards secret societies as being the cause of this or that, Mm -hmm. um, not taking things at face value. There's an actual research on this, and they give it a name. They call it optimal distinctiveness theory. Ooh. It's a suggestion that our social identity comes from the groups to which we see ourselves belonging to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the factors that makes their belief so strong could be that their sense of personal identity comes from belonging to a particular group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's truth in it, too. I mean, some people think of conspiracy theorists as crackpots just without even considering them. 
I don't. I think that's too wide a brush. I think you have to look at each case. I know that there are situations where I wouldn't go to the extreme, but anything that causes me to question something, some people will often consider that a conspiracy theory. I know that when 9-11 happened, I questioned a few things from a structural, architectural, engineering standpoint. I didn't mean that I was completely believing in that was a bunch of uh, government agents that created it all, but still led me to think about it and reflect on what was actually happening. Right. Yeah, so the usefulness of conspiracy theories is that they're there to kind of shake up our sleepiness mm-hmm. because we tend to fall asleep to the events in the world that come and go, and the mainstream media has its take on these events, uh, whatever they are, and we are expected to just simply swallow that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these conspiracy theories say, hey, wait, wait, wake up, wake up. There are other dynamics at play in right. these situations. So, for example, the connection of the CIA yep. to the AIDS, AIDS epidemic. Yeah, HIV. HIV AIDS, where they're saying that it was uh, the CIA purposely Yep. introduced that into society to decimate the population of gay people, et cetera. Uh, so are they capable of that? Hard to know. For me, the question is not whether they're capable or not. Is it plausible? Is there a possibility? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As far-fetched as it may seem, something to consider, at least think about. Well, the thing is, you know, when you say that something is plausible, it means that it's possible. Right. But almost anything is possible. Yes, yes. If you look at it from the perspective of understanding the group being targeted and where they stand in the political spectrum. So if you perceive that organization as being extreme right, you ponder a little deeper because the association with the extreme right is anti-gay, anti-this, anti-that. So Mm -hmm. it, it now becomes more plausible. Right. So you project a certain worldview on these people, and then because you've projected that worldview on them, the conspiracy theories fit nicely. In other words, the facts don't matter as much as your political stance, let's say. Mm -hmm. Matching the thinking. But this is where independent, healthy thinking is important, because there's nothing wrong with thinking that it's possible What's wrong is when you just get on the bandwagon with a group of people or groups of people simply because you want to get on that bandwagon, you're not really reflecting. To me, it's more an issue of, well, you know, it's possible, so let's look at it. Let's, let's consider the possibilities without going crazy and, and just making the assumption that that's exactly what's happening. So have you come to the conclusion that 9-11 was a conspiracy based upon your research? No, I wouldn't say that unequivocally. I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I would definitely question a lot of things that happened and even understanding how the American defense system works, the Air Force and so on. I watched that event that day, and for a good 20 minutes, I never saw one military aircraft in the vicinity. And yet, on other situations of far less gravity, there are jets circling within three, four minutes, things like that. And again, I'm not saying that um, conspiracy theory may be a little strong, but certainly questions. Just like I don't buy the assassination of JFK as being perpetrated by one individual. Right. One individual, so may, have fi- one individual may have fired the shot, but... Right. 
where does that leave history and our understanding of history of what happened? If many things are plausible underlying these events, mm-hmm. how do we know? We don't, we're sort of unmoored, aren't we? Aren't we in a sort of a very uncertain state a lot of the times? For sure. Again, depending on how you think. To me, there's just considering something and looking at something, and then there's fearing it or taking to it an extreme. I think the more you understand or know about a subject, the less likely you are to go to that extreme. However, uh, that doesn't mean that someone who knows can't go there because they feel extremely passionate about it. Some people who are deemed conspiracy theorists on a more extreme level scare people. They scare people from the perspective of also making people think. And if you're with a group that doesn't want people to be thinking about something, the last thing you want is a person who feels that strongly about something voicing their view. Yeah, I mean, the the other conspiracy makers are not just theorists, right? We're Mm -hmm. talking about revolution, for example. It's a lot more real and on the ground and actualizing than a theory. Yes. So in French Revolution, any revolution begins on the ground, often in coffee houses and bars, <laughs> yep. where small groups of people start to Discuss. share these ideas mm-hmm. and come to the conclusion that things need to change and they need to change now and radically. And so there's a kind of a positive thing or a positive take one can attach to conspiracy as well, I think, that it isn't just a negative thing, as the dictionary would have it. Mm -hmm. You can conspire to create something beautiful in the world, conspire with a number of people to do a flash mob, for example, is a conspiracy. Right. Uh, People getting together, doing this thing for a minute or two minutes, and then disappearing into the crowd. Right. And creating a kind of performance art. That but, surprises and delights, hopefully. So that's a conspiracy as well, but it's positive. By definition, though, most people know it as not being positive. So when they hear the word conspiracy, they take the literal definition. You know, if you look into Webster's or Cambridge Oxford dictionaries, yeah, yeah. it has a definite negative connotation. Yeah, I think people, I, I think people need to to take words and their meanings a little bit less by the book. <laughs> well, you explained it when you explained where the word comes from. Mm-hmm. Right. It just means to breathe together when you break it down. And breathing so, together doesn't sound negative to me. Not at all. No, mm-hmm. it just means people coming together, beginning to share a vision, share the same thoughts, mm-hmm. see the world in the same way. Box, box. So, what's your story? You know, when they talk about conspiracies, and, and one of the things I, I enjoy on your show is when people talk about uh, the government, and, and I'm talking about your guests who talk about whether or not the government and certain agencies and certain aspects of government have, have covered things up. And I always, I have thought for a long time, not always, obviously, but that, um, you know, they've tried to, to make it so that the belief in the conspiracy is, makes you somehow outside uh, the norm, that, that you're a kook. That you're a conspiracy buff. They say he's a conspiracy buff. George, they lie their asses off. I know it. And, and he, I wrote a little something out, and I want to read it to you, because I pulled this paper up from the other room. I have some notes I haven't filed yet. And I said, well, if this comes up, I'd like to be able to say this to Art. So let me just read this to you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and it goes like this. Do I believe in conspiracies? Nah. 
Do I believe powerful people would get together and plan for certain outcomes? Nah. Do I believe powerful interests would operate outside the law and maybe even kill people? Nah. Do I believe secret government agencies might feel the need to assassinate a person and cover it up? Nah. I think everything in America is open and clean and above board, and powerful people always play by the rules. Fox, Fox. The thing is, we live in a world where there's conspiracy all the time, I think, in my view. Mm-hmm. In that, for example, take any aspect of society, whether it's science or banking or economics or what have you, and you'll have a small number of people at mm-hmm. the top who speak a certain language and understand each other that very few other people have access to. Mm-hmm. That's a conspiracy in a way, when a certain vocabulary is created where that is inaccessible to most people, mm-hmm. and uh, ways of thinking about the world follow suit, and pretty soon you have a small cadre of banks controlling everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Power and control. Yeah. yeah, government is a conspiracy, essentially, in its core. It's, it's an agreed-upon conspiracy. It's a... Uh, consensus conspiracy. We've mm. agreed to let the government conspire to run our world in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And voting, you know, democracy is a conspiracy as well, to uh, create a way to change governments every four years or whatever. It's a kind of an agreed-upon conspiracy that things will change every four years if we want them to. What about the effects on everyday living in terms of people that you encounter every day and how they live their daily lives? How much of an impact do you oh, think? a lot. Right. Well, just the idea. I mean, people who come into where I work, if there's a problem with the product or with the service, the feeling is that they're being conspired against mm-hmm. when they talk. It's like, I've been unjustly treated and you've done this on purpose to make my life harder or something. Mm-hmm. I think people are generally paranoid. But don't you think they're kind of directing it at you, but they're really they're directing it at the larger organization? Well, sure. And the larger organization is not purposely conspiring to make their life more difficult. That's the attitude that people walk around with. Like, if it doesn't go my way, it's because somebody has created the situation to make sure it doesn't go my way Mm -hmm. and to make me unhappy. So I think we live in a society where people are naturally paranoid. They really do feel, we should say we, because I'm part of that group, we really feel that the world has been created by people who are not either smart enough or have intentions to grab power or money or whatever. It's a natural thing to feel in this world of ours, especially with technology being where it is mm-hmm. and the power of technology to disseminate ideas yes. uh, quickly. Uh, it's very easy to create conspiracy theories and rumors that become conspiracy theories. But the underlying thing I think you're addressing is really um, that people feel uncomfortable with the way societies run now with fewer and fewer companies controlling a greater piece of the pie. Uh, And Mm -hmm. there's this kind of loss of connection that people really feel underneath it all. They don't, yeah. they don't trust the system. They feel that there's a lack of integrity in, in many cases. So that is magnified. 
and reflected in their behavior with day-to-day uh, occurrences. Yeah, and I think you can even take it down to a more personal level. I think we individually can conspire to sabotage our own happiness in many ways. And we do, by the choices we make, conspire to, to do that. Right. Or the other way, we can conspire to make our lives uh, a completely different animal and see the world differently, etc. Uh, we can, you know, breathe together <laughs> in, yes. internally and bring all of ourselves together in an internal conspiracy to make things different as well, to create a revolution or what have you in our lives. So conspiracy and conspiring is, I think we have to take it as a tool to make something interesting happen. Mm-hmm. It's a different take on it, I know. Do you think it's more prevalent today than it was 50 or 100 years ago? Oh, yeah, I think absolutely it is. I think we've become more and more cynical, more and more paranoid as time has gone on. And as there are illuminations about the Illuminati, (laughs) as there are illuminations about what has gone underneath the events that we've experienced in the world, we do see at times that there are just a few people connected to a very large plan or strategy to change things, the Watergate tapes. These kinds of things are being planned and carried out by small cadres of people often with the blessing of presidents, Nixon, for example. So our experience has told us that these things are happening, that there are conspiracies in the world. Right. And so we're quite naturally distrustful of anything we hear on the media, for example, these days. I am, anyway. Mm -hmm. And people are turning to alternative media to get varied viewpoints, whether it's Al Jazeera or RT News, the Russian news agency, Mm -hmm. uh, on the net, right? Yes. Uh, I'm sure you do that, too. Oh, sure, periodically. Well, I'm always looking for a counterpoint, only because, as we both know, uh, when you're looking for information on the Internet now, they know your particular habits, your questions, your processes. And so, basically, when you do uh, look for things, they tend to reinforce what you already think or believe. So, it's so what do you think, Peter? Yeah. What do you think, Peter? How are people to kind of live and cope in a world that is paranoid and is prone to conspiracy theory and conspiracy thinking? I don't know what the answer is. I know for myself, it always goes back to the same things that we discuss here. It's about uh, free thinking and about trying to get a hold of your own particular world, your immediate family, the community that you live in and hope that it radiates outwards. For me, uh, you know, being vigilant is one thing, being fearful is another. Uh, Being fearful is not, for me anyway, not the way to live. So when you hear these things, you kind of have to evaluate uh, for yourself based on the information that you have and then listen to differing opinions. I think it's extremely important to listen to differing opinions and not just the things that reinforce what you already believe. have to kind of distinguish between a conspiracy and an evolution. So I'll take, for example, the educational system. You can very easily paint the educational system as a conspiracy to create consumers. And that's been said before in different ways. Or we can think of the educational system as simply having evolved through individual choices and community choices to the point where it is what it is now. But it isn't a conspiracy 
No, no, just redesigned to fit the way we currently live. We no longer live the way we lived 50 or 100 years ago. So you've got to adjust the educational system to work with that, not against it. So you have to offer more options. You have to be less rigid. You have to be able to flow from one subject to another more freely. You have to expand the possibilities simply because, you know, we no longer function with 10 or 12 careers that everybody knows and understands the myriad of different possibilities, jobs that didn't even exist 50 years ago that are new now. So you've got to expand the entire framework. And that's what you're talking about is understanding and adjusting rather than being close-ended. The middle way, the middle way, finding the balance between extreme thoughts and ideas and what makes sense, what is plausible, as you say. Extreme behavior and thinking also comes from, ironically, ignorance. Yeah. You would think that the people who are most vociferous about their ideas were the most uh, educated, the most knowledgeable, but that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, and some people would say that there's a conspiracy to keep us ignorant. (laughs) Because we know, we hear very little of what is actually happening in in government. In government, for example, government is not being forthright and totally honest with its populations. And I think that's why we develop this cynicism. And it's based upon fact. I mean, we know that they're not telling us the whole truth, nothing but the truth. They're giving us what we want to hear. They're giving us platitudes. Mm -hmm. And they're giving us really nothing of value, ultimately, because they're being coy with language. They're being political with language. And so I think there is a conspiracy within the political system as a system. The system itself conspires. It's not even that individuals do, but systems are sort of a dynamics that conspire to mm-hmm. move us in a certain way, to inform us in a certain way. More than ignorance, I would classify that almost as a conspiracy to keep people distracted. You could equate that to ignorance on a certain level. Um, But I think the major thing that at least I experience is this distraction part, which not only applies to to government, but our entire uh, way of living in terms of, you know, how we're entertained, entertainment that we seek, the programs that we're shown, I would call it, if you're going to use the word conspiracy, a conspiracy to keep us sheepish. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, sheepish. Sheepish, because if you, if you can keep the masses sheepish, you can pretty much take them where you want. <laughs> because they'll follow like sheep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, it comes down to you individually. You either buy into it or you don't. And then, of course, the argument for that is, well, easy for you to say, maybe you have the strength or maybe you have the desire to even fight it. I don't. Well, it's like that with everything, though, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, Harry, I, I believe in the positive side. I believe that you can, if, if you can bring people together to do negative things, you can also bring people together to do positive things. So maybe the word is more collaborative theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about that in that way, I think of Marina uh, Abramowitz, Mm. who is a performance artist, and she has done some very outrageous things in public. Is that the one where she sat for hours or days? Yeah, at MoMA, at the Museum of Modern Art, New York City. But she's done all kinds of things where she's appeared in public in the nude, 
she did one where she had a partner who she and the partner were both in the nude and they stood in a doorway on the way into an art exhibit mm. on either side of the, in the middle of the doorway on either side against the, the walls uh-huh. and people had to squeeze between them and there was very little room to squeeze and people had to either turn in her direction or the guy's direction right. both nude <laughs> to squeeze through <laughs> so i mean in a sense performance art is a conspiracy to create an experience for people that will wake them up or jolt them in a certain way so yes there are positive ways of of conspiring and art does that all the time art conspires to make us feel differently about living and about life so again it's not the thing itself but how we deal with the thing it's always about that isn't it it always comes down to that and education The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.